Welcome to the Storypreneur Podcast, where the art of storytelling meets the world of business and entrepreneurship. On this show, we share tips and strategies on how you can communicate your message and offer in a way that not only attracts more leads, but also helps you speak with confidence and close more sales. Whether you're a business owner, coach, speaker, or just someone looking to up their persuasion game, this podcast is for you. Join us as we explore the power of storytelling and how it can help you stand out in today's crowded market, build better connections with your customers, and take your business to the next level. Now, let's welcome your host, Devin Rodriguez. In today's episode, I'm going to tell you why you have not been closing the amount of sales you know you should be closing and what to do about it. Hi, I'm Devin Rodriguez, and for those of you that maybe this is your first time here, I'm the founder of Storypreneur, a company that trains coaches and business owners on how to leverage the power of storytelling to master the art of selling one-to-many and scale their business with ease. Today, I want to talk about a topic that is very important. Why? Because it's literally taking money out of your pocket. If you're anything like me, chances are you want to sell more and more and more and more and more and more and more of what you have. Why? Well, number one, for the obvious reason that it will generate you and your company more money, but also because it will enable you to touch so many more people. But today I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the reason why people are not saying yes even more than they are saying yes to your offer right now. And let me preface this with saying, The problem is not your offer. It's not that you don't offer one-on-one coaching. It's not that you don't offer enough of whatever. The offer is not the issue. And so many times when we don't hear yes enough, I know at least myself, I used to just think, what what is wrong with my offer? What am I not doing right? What do I got to tweak? What do I got to add? How do I got to use Alex Hermosi's value equation to make it better? And I would sit there at my desk and I would open up $100 million offers and I'd like sit there and think, what am I not doing that I should be doing? And I would just go crazy. But it wasn't until I learned what I'm about to share with you that things really began to shift. And I started to understand why people were giving me objections in the first place. And that's what this is all about today. I want to share with you the root cause of why people are giving you objections and saying no. Here's the thing. Most sales training that exists today focuses on teaching you how to overcome and handle objections. But that's not your issue. The objection is a physical manifestation of something that's happening on a much deeper internal level. And until we understand the levels, right, there's levels to this game. Until we understand the levels then we will not understand how to obliterate objections before people can even begin to think of them. And that's honestly my goal with this today. I want to give you kind of the breakdown of why you're getting objections and the one thing you have to focus on in order to not get those objections anymore. So on the physical surface, what's an objection? I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I got to talk to my spouse. I got to go buy a llama in the desert. I got to do something, you know, maybe in two months. You know what? You can fill in the blank with whatever objections that you tend to get. I got to think about it. And what we tend to do is when we hear that on a call or if we're on like a one-to-many presentation, a webinar, a challenge, people are not going to come out and say, I don't have the money. But that's what their thoughts are. That's what they're thinking. So we have to break down these objections. Why? Because what most people do is, like I said, they tend to just attack the objection. Let me tell you these 27 closes on how to overcome it. But unless you're changing the root, you can never change the fruit. 
And the fruit is the objection. The root is something much deeper. So if you want to change the objection or destroy the objection, you got to go attack the root, which is not the objection. Most people, when they're talking about sales training and stuff, we're thinking about, okay, overcome the objection by doing this, this, and this. But that would be like asking an apple tree to produce an orange. It just doesn't add up because there's, the root is not aligned. So let's talk about it. Where does, I don't have the money. I got to think about it. I got to go talk to my spouse. Where does it come from? Okay, sometimes people actually don't have the money. They do have to talk to, but a lot of the times, I'd say about 80% of the time, it's a smoke screen objection. Think about it this way. In the military, we have what we call a smoke grenade. And a smoke grenade is designed to conceal the maneuver elements movement. In other words, let's say I'm leading a flanking maneuver. We're going to go and we're going to go flank the enemy. Well, if I do not want the enemy to see my flanking maneuver, one of the things I could do is to throw a smoke grenade because it's going to cover our movement. There's going to be a big cloud of smoke so the enemy will not be able to see us. In a similar way, many people are giving you objections because they want to conceal the real reason why they are giving you those objections in the first place. So the objection isn't really the objection. They're concealing something much greater, and we're about to dive into that. So let's take it one step further. Where does the objection come from? The objection first comes from, so this is the first level is objection. Let's go down a level. The objection comes from a person's internal conversation. Think about it. In order for somebody to give you an objection, who do they first have to give that objection to? themselves. So before they tell you, I got to think about it, what's going on in their mind? Oh boy, I really want this. It sounds really good, but I got to think about it. Or man, I really want to invest in this, but oh, I just don't got the money. I just got a new car. I just, I, oh God, I just want that. And then they tell you, I don't have the money. So before they tell you the objection, they're first having an inner conversation that is then manifesting itself in the form of an objection. So Oh boy, I'm about to go on vacation. I really know I need to lose 20 pounds, but oh, I'm about to go to Turks and Caicos and now's not a good time. Turn around and tell you, oh, sorry, man. Now's just not a good time. And what do we do? We just go, oh, why is it not a good time? And we just try to handle the objection, right? But let's take it a step further. On one level, we have the objection. The internal conversation, the inner dialogue is the result of what? What's the next level down? The next level down is a person's belief system. So the objection is caused first by the inner conversation. In order for somebody to give you an objection, they got to give it to themselves. But where does the inner conversation come from? The inner conversation comes from a person's belief that they hold to be true for themselves. It's something they believe. Let's use the money example. Someone tells you, I don't have the money. What do they tell themselves? Man, I really want to do this, but I just don't got the cash. A belief is... Well, this just isn't worth it. Or a belief could be, I love this. I love to invest in myself, but I don't want to put it on credit. A belief can be, I don't trust in myself enough that I can borrow the money from somebody and pay them back in time. A belief can be, money doesn't grow on trees. A belief can be, I really want to do this, but I don't know if the money is going to be a problem or it's going to be an issue. So we have all of these beliefs around money that are prompting the inner conversation. And the thing about these beliefs is that they are subconscious. We don't think about them. So this whole process that I'm walking you through is not something that people consciously know. It's all beneath the surface. So we have the objection, which comes from the inner conversation, which comes from a person's belief system. 
It's the things that they hold to be true about themselves. I am not good enough. I don't have the money. Where does the belief system come from? The belief system comes from a person's self-image. A person's self-image, I love how Dr. Maxwell Maltz puts it. He says, imagine you are in a movie theater and you sit down, you got your popcorn, your drink, and a movie comes on in front of you. And it's the person that you believe that you are. What would that movie be? What would that screen show? So the self-image is the person that you believe that you are. Now, of course, how is this different from belief, Devin? Well, your self-image is comprised of your accumulation of beliefs. So on one end, we have a belief. Self-image is the accumulation of all your beliefs. So the real objection is not, I don't have the money. It's the person's self-image that you're battling, quote unquote, right? So the person's self-image is a mental image that they have formed of what is possible for them. And the thing is, is that once this mental image is formed, the subconscious mind does everything in its power to prove the person right. So if the person believes that they're not worthy, they're not good enough, they don't have the money, they got to think about it, they don't act quickly, they always have to um, rationalize and think about it for two days. What is the subconscious mind's job? The subconscious mind's job is to prove you right. So if a person's self-image is one of I'm not worthy, well, that can manifest itself in many different objections. But what we tend to do is we just want to go after, well, why do you got to think about it? But we don't spend the time with the person or if we're on a master class or challenge, we don't spend the time helping a person develop a new self-image that will enable them to take action. But there's one more level to this, one more step down. Where does a person's self-image come from? Person's self-image comes from a person's identity. A person's identity is who they believe that they are at their core. This is comprised of a person's history. This is comprised of their genetics. This is comprised of the experiences that they've had in the past. This is comprised of their failures, their successes. Everything that a person has gone through up until this point in time forms a person's identity. It consists of their thoughts, their beliefs, their attitudes. That is the root cause of all objections, a person's identity. And when you think of identity, you can think of the two words, I am, right? In the Bible, what does Jesus say? I am. That is Jesus's identity. So what we have to begin to do is instead of spending so much time on, oh, I have to overcome the objection by saying this, 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 and this, we have to spend time with those in our audience building a new identity. So when we present and we speak, we do two things. Number one, we simul or simultaneously rather, we deconstruct and destroy a person's limiting identity while simultaneously building and crafting and helping them transform into a new identity. Now, how do we do this? A couple of different ways. Number one, we talk about this in some other videos. We develop a persuasive theme. In other words, in order for somebody to take action on what we want them to take action on, and remember, we only want them to take action on it because it will change their life forever, we have to have some type of persuasive theme. Now, what is that? Think of it this way. A persuasive theme is a belief that must be installed in someone in order for them to move forward. Now, how we install this belief is oftentimes through a phrase, such as commit first and figure out the rest later. So if I know that that is a belief that the audience must have in order to take action, that they must truly believe that they 
commit first and figure out the rest later, meaning you commit first and then you'll figure out the rest of the money if you don't have it all in your account. You commit first and then worry about moving your schedule around. But don't put it off. You got to commit first and figure out the rest later. So if I know that that is a belief, then we take opportunities throughout the presentation to physically and verbally have people say that phrase because there's a couple of ways that you instill a belief within somebody. Number one, you suggest it to somebody. And in hypnotism, what do they do? They suggest things to you. So once you suggest a thought of commit first and figure out the rest later, number one, suggest. Number two, repetition. Repetition of the idea. After you repeat it, number three, emotionalize it. You have to get people to not only say it, but you have to get them to feel it. So I might say something like, commit first and figure out the rest later. Who believes in that? I believe in it. Okay, you believe in it? Stand up. I want you to say these words. I commit first and figure out the rest later. So then they'll say, I commit first. and No, 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 no. I need you to say it like you mean it. Say it like your life depends on it, like your kid's future depends on it. Here we go. I commit first to figure out this. And then they get emotionally involved and you say, yes, you feel that? Oh yes, I feel it. Now that belief begins to get formed and through more repetition and more repetition and more repetition, they come to own that belief and own that new identity. Therefore transforming people into someone new. This is beautiful. Because this is how, in a presentation, we can literally help people expand the vision of themselves. It's not just about, we do this to make more money. We do this so that we can help people become different versions of themselves. Because our job as presenters is to help somebody go somewhere in themselves that they can't go by themselves. And by developing our persuasive theme, which there can be a couple of different persuasive themes, number one, you have to be able to commit first and figure out the rest later. The second thing might be, look at this. Whenever you take a a risk on yourself, look at it as an investment and not a cost. Another one might be, I am a risk taker. Another one might be, I always figure out a way to make it work. So now, if you're doing a five-day presentation, at the beginning of the presentation, a lot of people in the audience, they don't have that belief. But now, through constant suggestion, through repetition, through emotionalizing it, and through calling on people one by one and getting them to take personal responsibility of those words, they will begin to develop that new identity. And they will come to hold that belief to be true of them. So, with that being said, I wanted to talk to you all about the root of the objection, which at the end of the day is a person's identity and how it's your job as a presenter, as a communicator, as a speaker, as a coach, as a business owner to help your clients not just buy your products or services, but to help transform them in the process. Thanks for tuning in to the Storypreneur Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the tips and strategies shared today and are feeling inspired to take your storytelling to the next level. My friend, it's time to share your messages in a way that enables you to stand out from the crowd, have a massive impact, and dominate your industry. All it takes is having a story and knowing how to deliver it. Before you go, we'd really appreciate it if you share this episode with a fellow business owner who you know needs to become a storypreneur. Thanks for being part of our family, and we'll catch you next time.